I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here for another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. Joined today by our full complement of uh, on-the-ground reporters in Gothenburg, Sweden, the World Juniors, Corey Prodman, Scott Wheeler, and of course, Flow Hockey's Chris Peters. Uh, it's been a busy start, guys, to super exciting tournament so far. Friday especially, great matchups. Canada falls to Sweden. Scott, I know you were at that one, and I want to start there. What's your takeaway from that one, and, and really on where Canada stands so far? It looks like they'll probably finish second in, in, in that group at this point. Yeah, I think the big takeaway is just how disjointed their lines have been up front. The big question mark for Canada coming into this tournament after losing to really two of their top four defensemen or two of their projected top four defensemen and likely their number one defenseman in Tristan Luno. Uh, and then the goaltending situation was sort of, okay, is Canada going to be able to defend and get the stops that they need to be a top team in this tournament? Now, if, what is it? Less than a week later, you look at this roster and you think, okay, the, the, the patchwork defense that they've had is actually played fairly well. And Mathis Lousseau has been their, their best player in net. So, uh, it's it's been a struggle for them up front. Uh, they haven't had really a single line outside of that fourth line briefly that looked good in terms of Owen Allard, uh, Owen Beck, and uh, Nate Danielson. Otherwise, it's been it's been a struggle for them. Uh, Celebrini's been good, uh, and he's got normally whoever he's playing with going. Uh, but the rest of that group, Jordan Dume hasn't been good enough. Matt Poitra certainly hasn't been good enough. Matt Savoy hasn't been good enough. Connor Geeky's had some moments of playmaking, uh, but they've they've lacked some juice up front, and they need scoring. They need someone to step up and and bury one. Uh, so that's that's the question mark now: is can they get lines together that work, and can they get Celebrini on the ice more often? Because that's been the common theme: is him not maybe playing like you'd expect your best forward to play. And now with uh, Savoy seeming like he might be a little bit banged up, we'll see whether he continues in this tournament or not. I believe uh, Alan Latang uh, told you, Scott, earlier that it had a maintenance day. We're recording this on Saturday yeah. right now. But we're, we're also hearing uh, that Jagger Furk is the moose jaw winger who's one of the final cuts from selection camp, is on his way to join Team Canada. So we'll see what that means for Matt Savoy's prospect in this tournament. And with all due respect to Jagger Ferkus, I think you much prefer Matt Savoy and the, and the speed that he can bring to your lineup. 
Well, especially considering what Scott's talking about, you know, Jagger Fergus can certainly score the puck, but if you're looking for offense here, Matt Savoy's the guy who really brings that element to you. Correct. I mean, there are other guys on this team who you thought would bring that element to you, like Dume, like uh, Poitra. I mean, Fraser Minton's been giving a ton of opportunity, first line, first power play flank, and he's not really scoring at a significant rate. Uh, so they need to find somebody on this team that can provide significant offense, both on the power play and at even strength. Scott, when you look at this team, do you see this as something that can be potentially solved by tinkering with the lines and trying to find some new chemistry, or are we almost too deep, too close to the knockout play to do that? And it's it's kind of it's it's either you have it or you don't here. Yeah, it's a little late in the process at this point. They're going to feel good about themselves after Germany tomorrow. I, I the expectation has to be that you go out and score five or six goals, and some of those guys get a little bit back on track. But that's one game of, of chemistry with new lines. The lines that they iced in practice this morning, I attended uh, Team Canada's practice this morning, not a single one of their four lines up front had played any game action to start a game prior in this tournament. Uh, they did have Minton, Celebrini, and Dumais together. That line played one pre-tournament game together uh, and were actually very good in that one pre-tournament game, at least in the front half of the game. Uh, so that's a line I'm sure with Minton as as viewed as sort of the the, the forechecking type that they hope can get uh, Dume going. Uh, Celebrini's been consistently good for them, but they need something. And as Corey alluded to, they just haven't really had much of anything, and they don't have the pieces. Like there's just the, the talent isn't there like we're used to. Some of the more talented players on the roster are players that Coach Alan Latang feels like he can't trust. Uh, Matthew Wood and Carson Rakoff come to mind in particular. They're both 18 years old. They're both eligible returnees for next year's tournament. They're both one-dimensional scorers in a lot of ways. Rakoff skates a little bit better than Matt Wood does, but Matt Wood's got a little bit more pedigree in terms of Hockey Canada under his belt. And those two guys just aren't going to play in the top six like I think many Canadian fans want them to because Latang doesn't feel like he can play them there. So it has to be... Dumay, it has to be Minton, it has to be Connor Geeky, it has to be Matt Plotra. Those, if those guys don't step up, Canada's not going to sort of accomplish what they're hoping to here, which is win a gold medal. Having said all that, a lot of this concern obviously is coming out of getting shut out by a Sweden team that hasn't allowed a goal to anybody yet. And of course, the standards for Team Canada are much higher than for basically any other team in this tournament. But I do think it's fair to ask, like, how much of this is Sweden's doing? And, and just that's how good the Swedish team has been at stifling other teams. And through the round robin right now, Canada actually does have more goals than Sweden does. At the, and, and they they will have a tough game against, against Finland and Canada will play Germany. I just, I don't think, this is still a really good Canada team. Well, they could have still, I think they have a really strong chance to win a gold medal. I mean, this is, it's still Team Canada. It's a lot of really good players. Um, but it's fair to say, you know, when we look at Team Canada, we're always, calibrating Team Canada based to the, the teams that we think of in previous years or what we think a Team Canada should look like. And this doesn't look like what you think a Team Canada should look like in terms of high-end junior players up and down the lineup. But it, I, you know, they had a lot of chances against Hugo Havlin in that game. And if one or two of them go in, I think this is a different conversation. Full credit to the Swedish blue line and to Hugo Havlin. Like, they've been tremendous. Theo Lindstein, who was a late addition to that blue line, is playing inside their top four and has usurped Anton Johansson. Anton Johansson barely touched the ice 
last night uh, just because of what they feel they have going with Winstein and Willander on that second pairing. Uh, they're they're legit six deep, and and it's and they've all played in the SHL. They've all played pro hockey. They're all big boys, other than Sandine Pelica, who plays with some physicality. Uh, it's a it's an impressive group on the back end for Sweden. Absolutely. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, let's go to the U.S. now. And, and for all the talk about Canada here, I don't. the U.S. remains unbeaten. I don't know that they remain unscathed here because Chris Czechia put a serious scare into them on Friday. And while they did run it up on the Swiss, I don't think you could say this U.S. team is without concerns here after a few days of this tournament either. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I think that this is uh, a U.S. team where we haven't even seen close to the standard of what was expected from them, um, even in an 11-3 win over, over Switzerland. And Really, I thought they got exposed a bit more, and especially the defensive depth got exposed. Seamus Casey was out sick, and then you know they really had to lean more on on Lane Hudson and Ryan Chesley, who played well, but had to play. You know, Hudson played 26 minutes, and Chesley played nearly 25 minutes. And then on top of that, you know, you you really had a lot of tough shifts from the Sam Renzel and Zeev Bouillon pairing, and tough shifts from uh, the Drew Fortescue and Eric Polkamp pairing, which was what which was in place because. Casey was out. So the defensive depth and the ability to, to, you know, to control the puck in their own zone and, and move pucks up the ice has not necessarily been there. Um, and then you kind of run into these situations where you've got a lot of forwards that you expect to score. And the U.S. has really gotten the biggest contributions thus far from their third line with Frank Nazar, uh, Isaac Howard and Gavin Brindley. I mean, those guys have been the leading scorers for this team. Um, you know, you got Rutger McGordy still kind of coming back from injury, certainly not 100%, not playing up to, to his standard either. Um, you know, and, and I think even you look at the goaltending and they've been fine. You know, like I think you know, Trey Augustine was on also sick and not able to play in the last game. I think he probably would have played if if he was healthy. Um, but then Jacob Fowler comes through in a, in a shootout against Czechia and stops six of seven shooters. And all of a sudden, you you know, you you feel like, OK, well, we can be a little more confident. But at the same time, you know, there, there were a lot of uh, scary moments in that game against Czechia, which had a, a bigger, harder for checking team, which challenged USA's smaller defensive group. So I think some of the questions that we had about this team remain, especially when it came to the blue line. I, you know, I think there's against bigger, stronger, faster teams, there's going to be some discomfort. They're going to have a big test against Slovakia on Sunday. Uh, Slovaks have experience. They have uh, talent and they've gotten, you know, they've gotten the goaltending as well. Uh, the U.S. really had to to work to find goals against Michael Robel, who was outstanding for Czechia in that game as well. So, you know, I, I think that this is a team that we expected to be highly productive and, and, and dominant. 
in some of these earlier games. Uh, they haven't necessarily been that yet. Um, and I think puck management is one of those things that continues to be a concern. It's something that we, we've talked a lot about with David Carl in post games about, you know, just protecting the puck and making smarter plays with it, not trying to do too much, which I think a team of this talent, they, they certainly have gotten caught with the puck holding it too long and uh, making poor decisions with it uh, over the course of this game, uh, over the course of this tournament so far. So certainly some areas to be cleaned up. I think uh, when I watched the the BC line, that being Will Smith in between Gabe Perot and Ryan Leonard, I think we all came into this uh, tournament thinking that they'll be very productive. They're going to be a big part of this USA team. And obviously tremendous success at the junior level with the, with, with the NTDP. Then they go to Boston College. They're all having you know huge numbers there as, as freshmen. But what, what I'm seeing from them in this tournament, which is uh, flashes of what they can do in some good, some, you know, especially in that game against Czechia when the pace gets quick and they got forced into some bad decisions. Almost reminds me a little bit of the, of the team in Ostrava in the, in the Czech Republic where you had, you know, really talented players like Alex Turcott and Cole Caulfield, Cam York, Trevor Zegers, who, mind you, was very good as the tournament went on, and, and Cali of there. And you thought, oh, these guys are so talented. They'll score a bunch. But it's different when you're 18 versus when you're 19 at this tournament. And that yeah. extra year of development in terms of, your phys- in terms of what your body is at, in terms of how you understand how to play it at pace, really matters. And I think you're kind of seeing with Smith, Leonard, and Perot, although I do think Leonard's been pretty consistently impressive throughout the tournament, but definitely with Smith and Perot, is I think they are struggling to execute those high-end skill plays that have been so routine to them for years. Yeah. They're, they're also not used to playing 13, 14 minutes a night. Like the, the, these are skill guys who need touches and they're not getting those touches because they're a deep team up front and they've got four lines. I mean, certainly the fourth line hasn't maybe given you, given you much offensively, but I feel like they, they know they can trust that line it, with, with Perot and, and, and Smith. If those guys aren't going suddenly you're not on the ice, you're not getting out there sort of every other shift at even strength. But I'm just comparing them to like the direct way that like yeah, Na- yeah, no. that Nazar and Brindley oh, yeah. play and mm-hmm. how effective that has been. I mean, they, they, yeah. you could argue that's been their most consistent line so far in this tournament. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think Goche, Snuggard, McGrory, that line hasn't maybe gotten the offense that you want in terms of the, the, the point totals. But you, when you, the way they play, they're at least having a little bit more puck possession. I think that's, you know, I think with the, with the Boston College line, I think, we're still waiting for their good games. I don't know if we're going to get their best games in this tournament. There's only a couple of games left. Uh, David Carl and the coaching staff seem to have, you know, clearly have their preferences in the other direction towards the Nazar line, towards the Goche line in terms of where they want to give their ice time. Yeah. So Scott alluded to, you know, when we were talking about Canada, they have a, a game against Germany that should give them a nice little get right game before the knockout. That's not necessarily the case for Team USA. They're going to get their toughest test yet in Slovakia on New Year's Eve. It's going to be for first place in the group. Maybe not the highest stakes this year as it would be in other years where you're probably not really trying to pick a preference of if you're going to get potentially Canada or Sweden in the semifinal, but you want to win this game. And I wonder from each of the three of you, what is the biggest thing you're looking for from Team USA in kind of their final dress rehearsal before you can get eliminated? I mean, I, I would say the the biggest thing is is finally seeing a 60-minute game from them, you know, where they have that consistency, where they can throw any line over the boards and really have that that ability to generate and they're going to have a tougher time to do that against an Adam Guyon, who has been one of the best goaltenders in this tournament and has also seen some of the most shots of, of any goalie so far um, and has, has looked really sharp. So you need to find a way to score against that guy. And then on top of that, you also need to find, uh, find more ways to, to, you know, kind of stretch the de- the depth of your defense and, and hope that you can get more consistent shifts out of your pairings that aren't 
Chesley and and Hudson because I mean even Hudson and Chesley I don't think have necessarily played to their own standard and especially Hudson who has such a high standard from how he's played in college so I think you want to get those guys right you really really need uh, your first line of Goche, Snuggerud, and McGordy to have kind of that breakout game they've they've had moments they've had good good uh, you know good looks we had Snuggerud have a first period hat trick against Switzerland. Um, he scored a big goal in the game against Norway when Team USA was struggling to find the net a little bit more. Um, and so, you know, of, of all the teams that played Norway, Team USA scored the fewest goals against them, including uh, including Switzerland, who just beat them 6-2 today. So, you know, trying to make sure that you're getting that level of consistency heading into this stage of the tournament. Because really, you know, it, like you said, it, it only gets harder from here. Um, and I think that they they absolutely want to win because every point matters because they'll do the reseeding in the semifinals as well. I, I don't think they care if it's Canada or Sweden at that point. They just need to make sure that they have, you know, if, if they have any opportunity to have home home ice advantage or the the home be the home team, get the last change, different things like that. They'll take any little advantage they can get. So I think they'll be battling for the three full three points here. I thought Max said one thing. <laughs> uh, one thing. All right. Let me retake the whole thing. <laughs> no, One no, thing: no. consistency from. No, 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 no. If there's anything else that anybody has to add, I mean, I certainly. I, I do. Do we think Trey Augustine's going to be available for that game? No idea. No idea. the The latest on that was that they were getting a full day off today. Um, they, you know, we they did not have any media availability today. They did not practice today. Um, the, those two guys did not come to the rink. They did not know. They wouldn't know until probably. Uh, Sunday if they're going to be available. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, guys, one one more uh, topic I want to get to here before I let you go enjoy the beautiful city of Gothenburg. Uh, individual players here. We've talked a lot about Canada and the U.S., but maybe if we could go around, start start with Corey on this one. Uh, I'm looking for a player who has really impressed you at this tournament, someone that maybe you didn't expect to play as well as they have or that's really exceeded expectations. One guy you thought you might see a little more of so far. 
Yeah, and when we were doing our preview of this tournament and talked about who we think would be the best defenseman, we mentioned Lane Hudson. We met, we mentioned Axel Sandin Pelica. We mentioned, I think, Denton Matejchuk. Maybe I don't know if we even mentioned any other names other than those three. And you know, I think all those players have had good tournaments. Will they be in the conversation at the end? We'll see. But one defenseman who was firmly in that conversation is Maxim Sturbeck. You know, if the tournament ended right now, he might get named the top defenseman of the tournament right now. He's been outstanding for Slovakia, playing a lot of minutes. And yes, he provides the mobility and the physicality you're accustomed to seeing from Maxim Sturbeck, but he's bringing a lot of offense too, which is kind of a weird prospect in that way. And that whenever he's played with his club team, whether it was back in Finland a couple of years ago or in the USHL in Sioux Falls or now with, with Michigan State, he's never really been a big power play guy, a big offensive guy. But whenever you put that Slovakia jersey on him, he just he just thinks now he's a, he's a power play skill guy and he starts making plays all over the ice. And you've seen that here at the World Juniors where you know he's made some really crisp passes. He's getting up into the attacks. I think he's a point per game right now as we record this. Uh, you know, Very impressive all-around display by Maxim Sturback, the Buffalo Sabres second-round pick. In terms of a player who hasn't really performed that well that I was hoping to see more from, um, going back to Canada, I think that would be Jordan Dumay. You know, Jordan Dumay has been on an absolutely torrid pace in the QMJHL over the last two seasons. Yes, the QMJHL is not the same thing as the OHL and WHL, but it's still a very good league, and scoring that league is not easy, especially to the degree that Dumay has scored at. Um, you know, elite hockey sense, he's very skilled, and you know, he was brought onto this team to be an offensive leader in this tournament. And he has not come close to that. He's been invisible at even strength. Uh, his skating is, and a lack of you know skating speed has been really noticeable, and and how he can't really drive play. And uh, that's been a guy. You know, we'll see. We still have the important games to go. So this is something that can anything we say here might uh, uh, not look so good in about five days' time. Uh, but that's been one guy who I was hoping to see a lot more from at this tournament. How about you, Scott? I've been really impressed. Well, Sturback's an easy one, especially because that Slovak uh, that Slovak blue line is as thin as it is. As it is, this is an excellent team for Slovakia in net and up front. But Sturback on the back end uh, has to carry a heavy load. They just don't have the depth. I actually think U.S. In terms of the conversation we were having earlier, the U.S. has a real opportunity to to take advantage of of Slovakia's defense in a way that other teams haven't, just with the skill that. The Americans have up front, but I'll go, I'll go with Gavin Brindley. Uh, Brindley has sort of stirred the drink on virtually every team he's ever played on. So it's not a huge surprise. That's what he does. He's just a gamer uh, shift after shift. He skates, he's a smaller player, but he gets up and under sticks. He wins battles. He gains inside body positioning. He goes and gets pucks on the four check. He tracks back and then he's got skill. Like he's got legitimate skill and playmaking feel on the puck as well. So uh, he's been tremendous, uh, probably USA's best player. And, and Chris uh, c- could comment on this too. Probably their best player in at least two of the four games I've, or two of the three games I've watched. Um, so he's been, he's been impressive. He looks like he's got a legitimate shot, even at sort of five foot nine, five foot eight, five foot nine and a half, whatever you want to label him. He looks like he's got a legitimate shot to be a, a, an NHL player at this point. Like that's the quality of the the prospect that we're talking about. So um, he's been, he's been great. Uh, and then on the flip side, I'll probably go Matt Poitra in terms of just who's disappointed. Um, 
Quatra's had some like you've seen he's he's clearly got playmaking instincts as a passer. He's made a couple of really clever passes over the course of this tournament. He's found guys that I think his line mates sort of weren't expecting when his line mates weren't expecting to be found that kind of thing a couple of times. But I have not seen a player at this level with that kind of pedigree come back from the NHL and overhandle the puck and try to do too much like Matt Quatra has so far in this tournament. He it's been tough to watch at times where he just won't let go of the puck. Uh, he's, he's walked himself into a ton of turnovers. He's tried to do too much in traffic. He stick handled himself into pressure. It's, it's been a bit of a tough look for him, him and, and Matt Savoy. They, uh, until practice today, when Savoy wasn't participating, have played the entire tournament together and they just haven't clicked, uh, for whatever reason, Quatra handling the puck as much as he has just hasn't worked well off of Savoy who likes to have the puck himself. Um, it, it's been a tough look for a kid who obviously has played quite well and been a top nine center for one of the best teams in the NHL this year. So they need more out of, they need more out of Matt. I'm hoping they'll, uh, they'll get it over the next few days because I know it'll be a huge disappointment for him and the Sabres if he comes here and it's a, it's a bit of a letdown tournament for him. Uh, maybe it's just the expectations getting to a, this. He's not a kid who was a first round pick, right? Like this isn't a kid who always had pedigree and now suddenly he's expected to be the guy here and it just hasn't looked like that for him. So uh, the, he's, he's got some, some sort of questions to answer, if you will, over these next few games. Well, you know, we'll see how the rest of the tournament goes, but I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. Like I remember when Jake for and Curtis Lazar were let go by their NHL teams and they had, mediocre yeah. world junior yeah. tournaments it's, it's, it's not just because you play in the big league that means a guarantee you're gonna have a good 10 days here yeah yeah and that and and i Quattro would have probably been one of my picks too i mean i i we've talked we were even talking about it earlier today but you know I'll, I'll start with the positive i think you know one of the guys that that i've i've really liked in the tournament um overall you know and just in, in what he's brought so far you know i think you can look at you can look at us several different guys, but one one that's really stood out to me um, early on here has actually been Otto Stenberg. Um, Otto Stenberg's played very well for Sweden. Um, had had some big goals already in this tournament. I think that he's been a factor. He's been a threat beyond just scoring. Um, you know the fact that that he kind of comes in a little maybe less heralded and also younger than the other guys that that have have been part of this team. I, I've, I've really appreciated the way that he's played. And in the minutes that he's gotten, and, and the trust that they have in him um, as a younger player, so to see him come in and, and score the way that he has with five points so far has been very impressive on a team that is full of impressive players right now in Sweden. Um, on the other side of things, you know, I really think that among the most disappointing starts to this entire tournament has been the play overall of Finland and, and losing to Germany, losing their first two games, and just really you know, struggling to get on track. There's a good chance they they could lose three of their preliminary round games. Um, and and find themselves in a three-way tie if, if the Latvia score against Germany holds, which is not a comfortable place to be in if you're Team Finland and certainly if you're one of the perceived big four. And one of the players that I felt would come into this tournament and make a much bigger impact is Lenny Hamanajo, which I know he's not a he's not a first-round draft pick. He's not a he's not a super heralded guy, but uh, the way that he's played this season in, in Liga, the way that he's played in the summer for uh, for the Finnish U-20 team, he has one assist so far in this tournament through three games, has not made as big of an impact as I figured he would for this team. I think that with this Finnish team, they don't have Joachim Kemmel, so you need guys to step up. They haven't necessarily had that happen. Um, you know, They've had to shuffle their lines already. They've had to move things around. Um, you know, the fact that a guy like Consta Hellenius, who's a draft eligible player, has been one of their better players 
you know, guys like 19 year old players like Haminaho should probably be a bigger factor. Um, and he hasn't been. I so you could you could select a slate of of Finnish players from this tournament so far. But but Heminaho is the guy that I probably had the highest expectations for that hasn't lived up to it yet. I think a common theme from all of us who've covered this tournament for years is that the pre-tournament can lie. Yes. Uh, Finland had convincing wins over Slovakia and Czechia in the pre-tournament when they had most of their entire lineups, that being Czechia and, Slo- and Slovakia in those games. Um, but it's, it's, it's different when the real game started and the, and the opponents are trying every single shift. I do want to give a quick shout out. Corey, you said it. You don't think anyone mentioned Sturbeck. I think Chris did mention Sturbeck. I don't think he picked him, though. I think, but I think he, when we were talking about guys who could shake up our uh, Hudson Sandy Pelica presumption, I, Chris, did, do you remember that? I think you did say Sturbeck there as a. No, I'm going to say yes because I, <laughs> I want to have selective memory and say yes, you are correct, Max. I was all over that one. And if, if I'm wrong, I'm sure our listeners will let me know. That's uh, great stuff, guys, from Forlundaborg. I will let you get going now. Uh, and a big day of the tournament awaits tomorrow. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. You can catch more of Chris over at Flow Hockey and on his podcast, Talking Hockey Sense. For the rest of us at The Athletic, you can follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at The Athletic Hockey Show. And there is still time, even though the Christmas holiday has passed, uh, to give the gift of The Athletic for a one-year subscription at $19.99 or a two-year subscription at $39.99 when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. That's it for us. We'll talk to you soon.